Welcome, welcome to Game Over Montreal. It feels a little bit like last season, doesn't it, Mark? It feels I'm a lot like 2023, doesn't it? Yeah, or 2022, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm Andrew Berkshire. He's Mark Dumont. We are the two uh, hosts or co-hosts of Game Over Montreal. I know everybody, like, taking the temperature on Twitter tonight, obviously, it's not the the feeling of the first two games. People are really upset. I think the, the Kirby Doc injury really took the wind out of everybody's sails. That uh, we're positive tonight. That's the severity of it, right? The, the I know it's not confirmed, but the rumor that it's ACL and MCL and he's done for the year is unbelievably brutal. Mm-hmm. And then losing Caden Gooley tonight. We don't know what happened there. Maybe they're just being cautious, but whew, feels a little bit like 2022. It's not great. I'll say this, Andrew. I, 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 the Habs outscored them at five on five, and that's what matters. <laughs> I mean, hey, listen. I'm I'm sure it's gonna piss some people off who are like righteously angry and for good reason after tonight's game. Yeah. But I don't think this game was nearly as bad of a performance as it looked like it was. Uh, obviously, score effects play a factor, but at five on five, the game was not that far apart. Uh, the difference mainly from what I saw was that the Canadians remain terrible on special teams. And a couple of people got mad at me when I mentioned on Twitter, but uh, Marty St. Louis did an interview uh, with Mar- uh, Eric Angles before the season started. And one of the things that he talked about was the power play. And St. Louis said like, Hey, like we just don't really practice it because why? Like at this point in their development path, what's the point of spending a, a bunch of time fixing the power play when you've got all this other stuff to fix. And like, we've seen the five on five numbers actually get a little bit better this year. Mm-hmm. That's more important at this specific juncture than special teams are. I think special teams, you can fix a lot quicker with like really strong coaching to begin a season once they're competitive, but it, it makes sense to build the foundation before you build the extracurriculars. It's just, I, I understand it. I agree, but here's why I'm going to say why it's stupid, okay? What you just said was really smart, but here's why it's dumb. Um, essentially, you're, you you want to make sure that you pour your foundation, all that, but your roof is leaking. You know what I mean? It's sapping all the momentum. It's sapping all the energy. It's sapping all the excitement from this team. So you have guys that are playing well five on five, and then they get demoralized. So I, I get what he means. It's kind of like when you're looking at a goalie, right? To me, that's the last chip you put in place there but you'll need one eventually right to to actually succeed in this league so i hate the idea that they don't practice the power play if not just just for development reasons because it has to be good in the future as well and it won't get good that quickly but just for the morale because it's so tough to cross these seasons where you you don't win many games so me for the morale side for the locker room health side i think they should maybe practice a little more off or at least andrew Practice defensive play during the power play. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, don't don't uh, ask too much of them, Mark. Uh, Trizak asks, why not work on all of it? I think here's the thing. There's very limited time to actually practice really yeah. in, in the NHL. Uh, coaches, like, I understand it. The NHLPA is pushed for, like, pushing back uh, morning skates and, and extra practices. They have uh, days off that they, they have to have. They have to be yeah. given. Uh the coaches have a lot of work on their plates. And I think St. Louis has come into this taking such a high concept look at everything that he's really starting broad and trying to drill down into details. And I, I understand where he's coming from. But like Mark said, it does it does take the wind out of their sails a lot. 
a but lot. You, you make a really good point. I think it was Jack, Jack Hahn that uh, explained that to me is the, the life of a coach is so you have no time. And the time that you actually have with a team is even more limited, right? So you're getting on the plane, you're reviewing tape. By the time you land, you go to sleep, you get up, your quick practice. You don't have time to really come up with a new practice routine. That being said, oh, hi, Claire. Uh, that being <laughs> said, uh, at this point, I think you need answers just to just to maybe quell some of the the fears from the the, the fans, right? Because you still have to make the fans watch the game, and they still have to buy tickets. And you know, I like I I get what he's saying with not practicing it, but you have to eventually put a little bit of mustard on it. And, and here's the important part: Montreal MUFC mentions they did an interview with Burroughs that was pathetic. Well, I'll say this: Alex Burroughs is not running the power play. That's the no, other it's part. A- collaborative effort between him and St. Louis and St. Louis has like been very clear that the fault or like the, the blame, the pressure should not be on Alex Burroughs. It should be on Marty St. Louis. And I think that's uh, showing good leadership, but also Mm -hmm. I think we can look back at Marty St. Louis record uh, as a coach, as a power play tactician, he worked for the Columbus blue jackets as a consultant at one point and they had the worst power play in the league. So the answers aren't, there right now i think that's very abundantly clear but at the same time as bad as their special teams are i don't think they're five goals against in one game bad like it's this was a disaster game and like i do want to hit on the special teams like the things i want to talk about tonight obviously uh for those who are joining us uh for the first time or who are regulars we're gonna have a presser at the end of the show where we take your questions uh if you have off-topic questions please hold them to the end we'll give you notice so that you have time to ask them but uh, stick with us we're gonna talk about uh the game first and try to stick on topic if you want to engage with what we're talking about at the time feel free we'll shout you out we'll uh take your um your input and bring it into the show but uh, off-topic stuff save it for the end um and that's, I, I do that's want to a talk warning about... for me too, right? Just <laughs> keep the off-topic stuff till the end because I just tried a really great blizzard and I want to talk about it. But we'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, I do, I do want to like talk about special teams in this game. And I think that's really the main topic of everything for this game. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we have to start that with the way that the game was officiated and the ticky-tacky calls. And like, here, listen, like, the number one one to me is the Slavkovsky fly through where he just lifted the stick and the guy let go of it. And like, is it a dumb penalty? I know they were going all over Slavkovsky on the broadcast. Yeah, it's a dumb penalty. Is it a penalty though? He has a right to space and he lifted the guy's stick and he just and let stick go checks of it. are legal. Yeah. They they are entirely legal. It was not a slash. It would be interference to me if he like went into the guy on purpose, but just moving his stick to me. That's not interference. That's fighting for space, which you're yeah. Yeah. allowed especially to do. That's what you want to see Slavkovsky do, right? Now, yeah. I'm a big proponent of never blame the refs because every team gets bad refereeing. But I will admit, tonight it was not great. For example, um, the, the, the Tanner Pearson uh, ghost call there with the high sticking. I, I, Brutal. I, even in WWE, if you were rehearsing, you'd be like, oh, tighten that up. You know, we can still see the gap there. So, yeah. Like, go to the right uh... side when they slap you and you go like this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it was some Hulk Hogan-esque type acting on that uh, on that play. But but it's just the momentum that, that kills you, right, Andrew? That's what we're getting back to is that that first power play was so... It wasn't even that they allowed two shorthanded goals, but that's obviously not great. Um it's the fact that it couldn't even create a sustained effort or a sustained presence yeah. in the offensive zone that really, you know, you don't have to score, but you at least have to be able to set up. And right now the Canadians can't 
can't actually gain the zone with entry with control of the puck, right? So I know you yeah. want to stay on on, on refereeing, but to me, well, and I, not again, just I on hate... refereeing, but I think we have to talk about the refereeing first because oh yeah, I mean I, I looked at the game. How many slashing calls did the Canadians get, or like stick lifting or slashing calls? I think it was three. But if you watch, like, go watch that game and watch how many slashes on every stick in the offensive zone the Canadians were taking with no calls. Even when Arbor Jacques drew a penalty on, uh, I want to say, was it Duhame again, who's getting so angry? And then afterwards, after the play is over, the guy comes over and slashes Jacques' stick out of his hand. Like, it's at the end of the second period, I believe. And the ref has already called a penalty on Minnesota. Any other game situation where a guy does that, they're getting an unsportsmanlike. Yeah. Like, there's no way, especially with a lead. And to not call that, like, it was a one-way officiated game. Well, and, tonight, but, but Arbor Jack The fact Eisen is the Canadians wouldn't have made hay on the power play anyway, but they got killed by I think, teams. though, with Arbor Jack you're going to have to expect that, right? He's not going to get the benefit of the but doubt But we shouldn't. Ever. But we shouldn't. That's no, the I thing. Know. That's the whole point, is that the system is stupid, right? No, like. Like, uh, uh, even Anderson getting called for the double minor. Like, Anderson lost his shit there when, when Caulfield got bumped. Mm-hmm. But Caulfield was swiping for a loose puck. There was no... It wasn't even a vicious to... swipe. Like No, it was half-hearted. Half-hearted. So, like, that whole situation, I, that's just dumb to me. I feel like the, the refs allowed this game to get out of control by being stupid. And yeah. that's the kind of thing, like, yes, there's a human element to every game. But all right, let's talk. Let's leave the refs alone, and we'll talk about. Well, hold on before teams. we jump on there over. And Sam Frieder mentions, and yeah, statistically, the Habs actually did control a good amount of the play at five on five. So it really was a special teams game. But if you look back on it, how how, how many minor penalties is that in three games? 18, 19, 20? It's a lot. They had twenty two last game, five eight, against eight the last Leafs. game. Like, yeah, it's the, a lot. So, and again, we go back to last year. The Habs were incredibly indisciplined. Right. So yep. I don't, but I, I feel like again, and it's not a pile on Martin St. Louis night, but that's kind of goes back to the coach. He's the one who prepares them to get ready. He's the one who tells them how to play, you know, uh, but to an extent, I think part of it is the fact that they're still not a good team, right? Like when you're not as talented as the team, especially tonight, where, you know, as much as we can talk about the refs and like the Canadians were done no favors, uh, they also did not come as prepared as the Minnesota wild did. No. And and I'm not talking about like, Oh, the effort wasn't there. It was just like the precision of play is more what killed them than the actual special teams. If you get my meaning. Oh, absolutely. The thing that stuck out to me, uh, cause everyone's talking about that first power play, right? Where the Canes allowed two shorty shorties. Uh, the second one I think was just dumb luck more Mm -hmm. than anything, even though they, they gave up a rush. It's not good. But the reason why they were allowing all these, counterattacks against the Minnesota wild, both at even strength and on their own power plays is because they like, they kept trying to force passes through the middle and I appreciate them attacking the middle. That's not something the Canadians have done since they need to do more of it. Yeah. Kovalev, you know, like it's been a long time, but the wild were incredible at putting their sticks in lanes and the Canadians just didn't adjust every power play, every offensive zone possession. They were trying to go through sticks and it was, creating turnovers and two-on-ones and three-on-twos. The Wild had good sticks tonight. The Canadians had terrible ones. And nothing puts that home more than, uh, I think it was Erickson X goal in the front of the net there, where he got mm-hmm. two whacks at it. <laughs> and he was, you, he was surrounded by Habs players. Yeah. Yes. When you're running a five-on-three, and you have two defensemen in front of the net, and the one guy, the one opponent in front of the net, gets two chances... 
those de- what are the defensemen doing what are they doing yeah well i i like that's the question was what was Dolph is i don't want to actually it wasn't saval's worst game by any means so i don't want to crap no, this on him but it was his best game of the year frankly i wrote in my like i was like hey you, you can't ever expect a five on three to play perfectly but you can't have the guy in the slot <laughs> covered by three players have a second opportunity right no. but to get back to what you were saying first of all did you see alex kovalev skate the other day i did 50 years old, and I think he'd still help the Habs power play. And I'm not even being facetious. Like, he he would immediately help their power play. Um, and actually, what was he? I had something else relevant to the game, but I was I was thinking about Kovalev complete. Oh, yes. Eric Sinek, just to hit on that real quick. I think that's a guy that the Canadians should keep close attention to because he didn't immediately flourish while, you know, when he joined the league. It took him a few years. Really, last year was his breakout year. You know, he's got that size, but he couldn't put it all together. So... When you're looking at a guy, I, I, I'm not comparing him to Slavkovsky. I'm just saying in terms of, you know, a big, tall, strong, lanky guy often takes a little longer to uh, cement their place in the league. So Ericsson Act is a really good um, case study, you know, for being patient with with prospects. And we, we saw him tonight. I mean, yeah, Habs fans probably didn't like it, but he was all over the place, right? So yeah, he had that's, a great game. Uh, it was a, you know, good, good example that sometimes some guys take a little longer and it pays off. Yeah, although, I mean, as much as we're preaching patience about Slavkovsky, I know he took two minors tonight, but ah, I, th- bullshit, I thought he was one of the better minors. players. Yes, they were bullshit minors. Uh, what was the first one? I don't remember. The first one wasn't the stick lift. Was, oh. I think he slashed someone, but uh, either way, well, yeah. Uh, Bazu uh, Arpon said uh, Doc's out for the season. Herbie, yeah, like, that sounds about right. Um, Fuck. Also, we're mentioning here, I, for- I forget who, who, someone went back and got the numbers for us, but... Uh, yeah, secret agent man, 22 penalties, minors for the Habs. And I think there's a couple di- double minors in there, but yeah. yeah. I mean, some some of that is just r- crazy early season numbers. And if this yeah. happened between game 55 and 58, we probably wouldn't be talking no. about it too much. No. Same as like the three em- uh, empty net goals against uh, in the first two games there. Probably wouldn't be talking about that as much if it wasn't just <laughs> within the span of two games. It's kind of funny. Only 13 empty net goals in the entire NHL and three of them are like six on five goals or six on four. They can't. Yeah. They they have a really hard time defending the, uh, the six on five oddly. Right. But they're uh, just, they're not good defensive team. Like they're getting a little bit better, but when the pressure's on, there's a lot of scrambling. Right. Well, I I think people kind of freak out about the defense, right? Because it's, you want all these guys to be taking big steps. I think Mm -hmm. the, biggest steps so far this season that I've seen have been from Jackai. I think he's been really good. But Big time. even though I think every young defenseman on the team is quite good as a unit, they're all still learning. Right. Yeah. So they're still quite bad <laughs> yeah, as a whole. Well, and that's why I go back to the, yeah, I get why they don't practice the power play, but that like, let's say you'd score a goal or you wouldn't allow two in 35 seconds at least it would create a little bit more momentum, right? A little more excitement for these guys to kind of build on. So it kind of falls all into that same, yes, in the rebuild, there's certain things that you do at a later date, but there's some things that just sap your energy. And I feel right now, obviously, the special teams are are, are really sapping the energy now. And we're getting a lot of great comments in the chat. Somebody, Christian's talking about drinking. Listen, don't start drinking on behalf of the Habs. Start drinking because bourbon tastes delicious. That's what you really want to start drinking for. But um, we have another comment here, Montreal. I mean, you see, you're just talking about Martin Saint-Louis being a cheerleader. What's your opinion on that, Andrew? Because you know my opinion on Martin Saint-Louis. I think he's a good motivator. He's one of the best players to ever play the game. And he's a guy that their players listen to. They'll run through a brick wall for him. 
I don't think he's good at strategy at X's and O's. And I think that's really coming to the forefront, the lack of adjustments, the, you know, the, the lack of preparation. There's something screaming and it's too early to criticize, you know, talk about changing coach or anything, but I think that's actually something the Canadians have to reckon with is that here's where the lack of experience comes to the forefront with St. Louis is, is the lack of adjustments and the lack of, you know, being able to strategize. I mean, I don't think that he's unable to strategize. I will say most head coaches in the NHL are not X's and O's guys. True. Most of them are primarily Letowski's motivators. the X and O guy, yeah. Right. Like most of them are motivators and then the assistant coaches do the strategizing. I think Marty St. Louis probably has a longer tenure with the Canadians than an average coach because yeah. he's taking over at the start of a rebuild. And he's given a lot of latitude because he clearly has, like he talks all the time about his like big binder of concepts and things that he's got going on. I think people need to be a little bit patient and give him yeah. the benefit of the doubt because they're trying to do something different. You look at uh, man, I'm blanking on his name. Now the, the head coach in the, in Buffalo, Don Granato. I don't very, very similar uh, coaching style as Marty St. Louis and took a bit to get going. And now the Buffalo Sabres are starting to take that hum. Now the Sabres have all of their key pieces in place yeah. for their rebuild, right? So it's a different scenario. St. Louis doesn't have that. Now he's lost Doc and probably Gooley. Like, well, how many, part- how many healthy lineups has Marty St. Louis coached? I get that, but the Canadians shouldn't fall apart the moment Kirby Doc's out of the lineup. You know no, what I mean? Like, no, they shouldn't. And they and and we all recognize his, his importance and all that. But at the same time, man, like he's not an all star. He's still like, let's be honest here. He's a really good player on a not so great lineup. So like the Habs should not dissolve like a like a raccoon with cotton candy putting in water there. You know what I mean? Like they, they should still have some sort of pushback. It's just in transition where they struggle. Right. And that's where I, I thought tonight, I thought it was weird that Martin Sanui ripped apart all his lines. Like I didn't. I didn't really understand why rip apart the whole, the top three lines, you know, if you just had a a hole on the second line. Well, I mean, I understood it because I mean, Anderson doesn't fit on that top line. I think he was better in the first two games than he usually is. Uh, I think he's come a long way in terms of adding things to his game, but Mm -hmm. he he just can't think the game at the level that Caulfield and Suzuki can. I like uh, Harvey Pennard up there. I thought that there were moments tonight where that line was starting to cook a little bit, but they just couldn't get it going. And I think that's something like as much as people are frustrated tonight, and I get it, it was a really frustrating game to watch. They're one, one and one when last season, they might've been zero and three. And we're going to get a lot more of these. That's the other part too. I was yeah. kind of buckle in the jerk that was like, Hey guys, they're not going to do great this year, but I kind of periodically popped on Twitter and be like, Hey, what's everyone thinking the Habs are going to do? Oh, playoffs. They're going to fight for the playoffs. I was like, oof. Okay, realistically, bottom five. And I actually think they're a lot better than what I thought they were this summer. But uh, there's going to be more of these games. There's going to be yeah. a lot more of these games. And, and I'm seeing a lot of, of people saying, like, the, the assistants are bad at strategizing, too. I don't know if we know that for sure. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I think it is really hard to tell with the state that the Canadians are in, like, the the mode, I guess. Like, what is their goal to accomplish, right? And let's be honest, this game was... a bit of a disaster game in terms of puck luck, in terms of officiating, in terms of preparedness, in terms of precision, all those things. They were all off tonight. Mm-hmm. The first two games, they were not, right? So let's let's chill a 
just a little bit. I'm seeing calls for like Gerard Gallant. I'll tell you right now. Oh man, he's. Not I, a... I don't think Gerard Gallant is going to be hired by the Montreal Canadiens because let, let me just give a little bit of background on Gerard Gallant. First of all, anybody who thinks that he's an X's and O's guys, no, he's not. He's not a strategy guy. You look at Gerard Gallant's team teams, and outside of I believe the Golden Knights, all of them have been terrible by underlying numbers, like absolutely terrible flying by the seat of their pants on shooting percentage and having like Sorokin or Bobrovsky pull up. Great. Yeah. Saving the day. Right. So I don't think that's going to happen. And Gerard Gallant also has a reputation that has followed him through multiple franchises where management will give him a directive or give him input and he flat out ignores it. And that is just not going to fly. Not not as a head coach, and I yeah, don't think as an assistant either. Well, he's a best friend type of coach, right, for a lot of the players. Right. But then he'll – it's kind of like Michel Terrien where he had his favorites, but then he had the guys that he hated. So, yeah, not I don't know if that's a situation you want to put the Habs in. But, no, the coaching staff's not at risk. I, I will say this, though. Someone asked – after I mentioned that Burroughs doesn't coach the power play, and they kind of gave me the office space line, like, so what would you say he does here? You know, like what does so Burroughs runs the forward lines essentially. Yeah. That's all he does on the team. And I will say this, that's not a huge contribution. Well, to... he does the uh the play calling too at the end of games when they're like down a goal or whatever. Oh yeah, it's not Latowski. I always see Latowski with the board, but okay. Yeah, I, I haven't Burroughs at the end the of the games usually. I have to go write my report. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's usually Burroughs uh who who runs the the last ditch effort of the game, but I don't know. I mean, well, it's hard. Assistant coaches' roles are rarely defined publicly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they rarely speak to media. So it's really hard to dig in on that. I will say I haven't been super impressed with uh, Robidaw's running of the defense. I, I, like, I know he wasn't the worst tonight. Uh, You're going after Saval again. <laughs> that he can't play, man. He can't play. Like, he does his one or two good things a game, but there were several times tonight where okay. it's just like, what are you doing? doing man and i, was gonna I, I just write can't see why he's playing over baron frankly it's it, it, it's ludicrous let's put it that way um i was gonna write an article today uh, unfortunately I, I couldn't my back was uh, i'm on pain pills now so i'm feeling great but my back was messed up all day and i was looking at the numbers somehow saval has sunk matthews but i will say this the one you even strength matheson? goal or sorry matheson yeah the one even strength goal against and this was before the game happened when Matheson was off the ice. It was actually Jordan Harris was on with Sabah. So like even that, he even managed to get that goal against without his partner. Every other pairings looking very good. Like Gouli was looking very, very good with Kovacevic. Um, Arbor Jackai was looking very good with Harris. And unfortunately, their top pairing is getting just destroyed. And it, it's kind of, it feels like a step back, right? Because last year we're like, hey, it look, does. it's the youth movement. We're doing good. And now... You have a few more options, but I think they're afraid of putting Kovacevic on that top pair for whatever reason. But statistically speaking, it's not even close. It should be Kovacevic that's on the top pair or not Saval. Those are my two options right there. <laughs> Just not so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you see tonight uh, they moved, even with Gouli missing halfway through the game, Savard only got 18 minutes of ice time. Did you see what happened to Gouli? 25 and 23. No, I didn't. I didn't see. I wasn't able huh. to rewind it either. Did you see? No, no, I was no. busy watching Fleury play out of his mind the regular season stuff. You know, I, I will say this for all the Habs fans have some some bad stuff, like any other fan base, right? But I do like that they'll boo a guy their entire career and then at the end they'll be like, Okay, we liked you, you know, like you, yeah. you were pretty damn good and it bothered us how much you would beat us. Now Fleury, 
she's good in the regular season. The Habs would face them every year in the playoffs if they could. But uh, it was nice to see them give him a little, um, say, a little how do you do there when he was leaving the ice. That was that was nice. Yeah, the booing is usually a sign of respect. The one time I did and not bitterness, respect. Yes. And bitterness for sure. But the one time I did not respect and still do not respect the Bell Center fans was when was... Bradar? No, no. Oh. When they gave a, a ovation to Zdeno Chara. Oh, yeah. It was that... like his it was like his fifteen hundredth game or something like something crazy like that. And it, I'm sorry, Zdeno Chara. I know he's a great person off the ice. In the confines of the Bell Center, you're a criminal, bastard. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you were one it's of the not, ones it's never changing. <laughs> it's never changing. <laughs> You are not I actually, loved. I here. remember that because I remember. I think it was Mitch Gallo that was like, "Oh, that's so like embarrassing for house fans." But I don't. That was kind of a, their way of saying like that was his last game too, right? Pretty much, or was at the end? Pretty much, it was, it was close to the end. I don't remember if it was with Boston or with. I think it was with uh, Long Island, but still, I, I think even it was even that. About... Sometimes classiness isn't important. Sometimes oh, yeah, you no, gotta be get a shithead. It, but I think that was more of a sign of like, okay, good, like it's done now we still hate you but like you did good there you know like that sign of like we like our rival but you know what at the end chera was i'll say this and i respect the guy but the habs love playing against chera in the last five six years they they they, oh, they yeah. absolutely ate him up for breakfast like he was you and me talked about this at one point he was a really good defenseman but the last four or five years he was bleeding chances against and the habs absolutely took advantage of it so i mean it was, even uh, in his prime you know he there were games where he was dominant of course but, but then the Plakanitz would just kind of scoot around him. <laughs> oh, and Gianta, Gianta drove him nuts. Even like Dayarnay, because would like go after him and like get in tight on the net. And, it was like, <laughs> skate through his legs and be like, Woo! They, like, they literally went like, we'll use the really, really small guys against the really tall guy just to see like, it you worked. Know, like King Kong swatting at planes there type of like, thing. That's how Danny Briere embarrassed him in the playoffs in 2014 yeah. in game seven, you know, like. Yeah. He struggled against the small guys, and the Canadians exploited that. Like, gotta gotta give them credit for that. No matter who was coaching. Um, See, I got you off topic real quick there. That was not I know bad. you did. Let's nailed it. Get back to the power plays just a little bit, and then we'll move on. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you want to see them do with the power play? Because I know we talked about Marty St. Louis saying that they're not practicing. I think that was more about the last year and a half or so. Yeah. And this year they're planning on putting more emphasis on that because they're trying to take the next step as an organization, all that. But Mm -hmm. what would be like your first couple of moves on the power play? Because based on tonight, obviously losing Doc was massive just for puck control. Replacing him with Anderson, who is very bad at the things that Kirby Doc is very good at. Yeah. uh, Was not a good choice. I, yeah, I would. Okay, first, before we get going, and I'm going to say this without Andrew reminding me, please subscribe and, and click like and all that fun stuff. And thank you so much for joining us. Honestly, we're seeing all the amazing people we see all the time. I'd like to get the house fan suggestion. But in the meantime, I'm going to throw something out there that probably is not going to get the best response. But I was looking at um, micro stats for entering the zone, right? Like with control of the puck. And guess who's been the Montreal Canadiens' best player for for gaining control of the zone with the puck this year? This year, uh, I would and guess... and a good part of last year too, actually. Oh, okay, if it's a good part of last year too. I was going to say this year, New Hook, but uh, mm. I mean, usually it's Suzuki. It is a center. Is it Monahan? No, Jake Evans. Yeah, I mean, I'm Jake not put Evans, like by far, though. has been, and I know it's crazy because I, I, I. I I looked at the numbers, I'm like, bullshit. And then I kind of went back and I looked, okay, yeah, he was. Now, 
I don't know if it's even possible, but in the same vein as him taking a face off and running off in overtime, maybe you get Jake Evans out there. To, like, And I know it sounds crazy, but hey, nothing else is working. And if he has demonstrated that he can gain zone with control of the puck, why not? Why not see what he can do now? Now, I don't think it's a long-term solution, but if you're going to try something, the fact of the matter is he's the best at doing what you struggle at right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe now Jake Evans is using the penalty kill and then to face other, like it, it would really be too taxing for him, but they got to gain the zone with control of the puck. And right now, believe it or not, Jake Evans is the guy doing that best. So, Hey, give it a shot. Well, I, I would, I would be cautious about that just because the quality of competition Jake Evans is playing defensively is not the same. True. But I think we'd see a lot more success if they just stop relying on the drop pass no they need to do more drop passes okay like they can <laughs> drop passes only drop pass you know in junior when you're like outscoring the team 20 to 0 and it, every guy has to touch the puck before you you shoot um same idea everyone has to do a drop pass before you enter the zone like just nothing but drop pass i i i say we lean into it just go all the way drop passes Till the end. You know what, Andrew? The drop pass actually is 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 a, an effective weapon on almost every good power play. It's just the Canadians are so scripted in how they're about to enter the zone. And there's no alternative plans, right? There's no contingency yes. plan when it goes wrong. So the drop pass has a place, yes. but it can't be the only option. Yeah. And the Canadians drop the, the pass back so far, right? <laughs> like you end up with four guys standing on the blue line and then Suzuki trying to skate in through four guys plus four other op uh, opposing players. Yeah. And his options are try to pass it against the wall to Caulfield, who's stationary, and then hope Caulfield can stick handle his way in and send it back to Suzuki going forward, or just skate his way in. Sometimes it works, most times it doesn't, and even when it does, it doesn't really lend them that much time and space to create because no. already they've got no space. I think they need to start looking at breaking out breaking out as a group and trying to go fast and force teams and have to outlet options actively. if something goes wrong right like exactly have a contingency plan now i'd also like to see slavkovsky just go into that dirty like just play him in the bumper but even closer like further closer to the slot man put his body to good use i know it's such an ancient way of doing it like i remember when the sense put chris neal on the power play just because he but but i think Slavkovsky, obviously with his reach with his strength you could actually yeah. generate a good amount of offense from there so you know they're making life a little too easy on the goaltenders i think that's one of the other parts too you'll notice when the habs shoot who was it tonight they took like it was a good shot but the goalie like fleury had been set since 1996 waiting for that shot like there was zero yeah. percent chance it could have gone in and you're they all knew right no pre-shot movement so the goalie is set so beyond not gaining the zone with, with control of the puck that pre-shot movement and it has to be quick crisp passing right so right now they really want to find that seam across the ice to go get caulfield but teams know that so yeah. it's all about creating you know when you look at washington when they had that amazing power plays it, it was controlled chaos in a sense right if something if this happened you had three other options if that happened yeah, you had they four had other options they had three shooting options at all times there was ovechkin as the main carlson as the backup and oshi as the bumper yeah and then, and then you had kuznetsov, uh, kuznetsov in the middle, and backstrom like, yeah. right finding plays so that's the other argument do the canadians lack the personnel they shouldn't not not the way i look they, at it i think they lack elite power play personnel like i don't think we can expect them to put up toronto numbers or mm. edmonton numbers but there's no reason why they can't be a mid-tier team 
on the power play with with the personnel that they have. Like I think Sean Monahan's <laughs> a really good power play guy. Attempting to be mid, the Montreal Canadiens power play story. <laughs> who wouldn't take that after the last few seasons? You know what I mean? Just <laughs> aiming for mid there. That's that's the that's the way to do it. No, I agree. And and Sean Monahan, I mean, there was one pass tonight that was just too telegraph, but usually he's pretty darn good at finding a seam and finding it quickly. I'd say from preseason to now, Sean Monahan has probably been the best forward. Well, Cole Caulfield scored a lot, but Monahan's well, been setting guys up left and right. Monahan's been good. I wouldn't call him the best forward. Uh, I, oh, that's Jonathan Kovacevic, obviously. That's, that's <laughs> yes, he's been he, the best forward. Of like 10 scoring chances tonight. All right, we've been talking about the power play for far longer, for longer than, than Martin saint does during practice yeah yes i thought we've gone like 10 minutes it's actually been 30 somehow, well see so. and nobody offered us up uh unless my chat froze nobody knows what to do now that's the other part it's like you know I what i would do we're all the simpsons we've tried nothing and we're out of ideas what would you do i mean i would put doc here but he's not there anymore i put suzuki behind the net why why does nobody do this anymore it just offers up so much more space that uh, making a goalie telescope out and in to it's get those high shots at, activated. They're worse. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's very tough on goaltenders. Goaltender can't see what you're mm -hmm. doing. He's constantly moving side to side. It's way tougher to defend against. I don't know why nobody pushes this. I know uh, it's something that Arik had pushed a lot before he got uh, hired by the Colorado Avalanche. But let's let's move on from the power plays here. Uh, obviously, if you have any chat questions, we'll get to them at the end. We'll try to get through these next couple segments here a little bit quicker because I think we kind of got uh, too into the power play stuff. Um, trying to think of what else we can even talk about tonight. Alex Newhook. Let's talk about Alex Newhook a little bit. because He's looked good, man. He's looked well, a really lot better good. than I anticipated. A lot of folks have already been asking me if I like uh, am pushing back on my own take of that trade, and I'd say probably uh, he's fit in a lot better than I thought. But again, three, games, it's three games, three games, but but hey, you know what? By the eye test, by the underlying numbers, he looks pretty good, right? Like, yeah, I haven't seen any major holes in his game now, as of yet. The big issue with with Newhook, what happened in Colorado, is that he kind of fade or fade out, right? He'd have like a couple of really good games, and then teams that would do a great job controlling the neutral zone would essentially shut him down. Cause then he didn't have the speed, right? He didn't carry that speed into the offensive zone. So I would maybe wait a few more games before uh, declaring it an amazing trade, but Hey, the earlier returns look really good. And even the guy I wanted the Habs to pick with 31 was um, Mikhail Gulyayev, which is actually who the avalanche picked. And uh, he just signed an extension in the KHL. So I know that doesn't really impact things, but um that would have been a guy that you wouldn't see for like four or five years, kind of like Konyushkov. So, hey, man, it's it, Newhook is giving them the results that they want early on. And that's exactly what uh, Kent Hughes wanted to see from him. So it's encouraging, Andrew. But I would say we haven't reached the point where we can properly judge his consistency no. just yet. Like, that's really that's really what people said. Like, he'd have good stretches and then he would just fuck off for like a week or two, you know, so. No, nobody's consistently in NHL except for really McDavid and Crosby. But I'd like to see him when the things, you know, when the muck gets really thick, how Alex Newhook will react to it. Yeah, I, I'm. I can't wait for it either. There, a secret agent man said, "Not sure about Newhook as a center." I agree. Uh, Me too. Not the long term plan. I don't think they'd have him there right? if, yeah. if, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, there's people saying Doc's out for the season. We we know we we talked about it. It sucks. It's what brutal. A, yeah. Like, what a killer. Like, that's got to... I, I know that they responded well against Chicago when he went out, but to hear that he's out for the season, like, I almost can't blame them for showing up kind of 
crappy tonight. Like me neither. But again, I'm gonna it. go back to it. Like it's I like Kirby Doc. I think I'm the guy who's probably complimenting the most. But it's just goddamn Kirby Doc here. Like let's let's it's not exaggerated. It's a guy that's never reached 50 points in his career. Right? Like yeah. Let's... I don't mean like the. I think it's all right for them to be terrible without him. I just oh, but understand. they could be disheartened. Yeah. Right, disheartened for the one game. Like and you saw, I, I expect you them to be get back at yeah. it next game. When they talked about Caulfield, or when Caulfield talked about it, when Suzuki talked about it, when Slavkovsky talked about it, they were yeah. all pretty darn sad, right? Because they yeah. knew, like, just in transition, who else do you have? But I would probably, in my opinion, Andrew, I don't love all the shuffling they did. I would have just essentially shifted Monaghan up to the second line. I think he's your best guy to really replace uh doc in a like a, a long-term measure i i agree with uh secret agent man saying that uh you just can't you know you can't rely on alex newhook long-term as a center I, I, we saw some okay plays tonight but i think that uh through the whole season it'll probably be a little rough on newhook to play there so i would go monahan second line or andrew and i've been kind of pushing this for a while now break up suzuki and caulfield man like i get it i get the memes and i get that montreal canadians their entire marketing is like look they like each other as friends but they're still gonna be buddies even if they're not playing on the same line right like they they have not shown enough chemistry together without doc to have any sort of sustainable long-term results and and that's a fact statistically speaking they've gotten by on pure talent because they're talented but you can't keep your top line at 40 percent control of expected goals for the rest of you know, their careers and expect them to do well. So I would actually break those two up. I think it's too early for that. Personally. I think that uh, the amount of pressure on that pairing is just immense. I think the only way you can do it is if you're deciding that Suzuki's going to be like a sacrificial lamb facing all the top competition with like mm. defensive wingers and then you try to get Caulfield with someone else. But yeah. I just, I just don't see, especially with doc out, I don't see a fit any, anywhere else for Caulfield. It's going to get him the puck in the places that he needs. Well, Monaghan's like a doc light though. Well, yeah, but I think Monaghan you need with Slavkovsky like that. That's the, I, I feel like the second line should be new hook Monaghan Slavkovsky right now. And then the third line, yes, I don't yes, know. That's what I was saying. Yeah. But and then, I think so, when, with with Harvey Pennard, I'm not concerned about that line. No, and Pat Pat Dupree's asking, "Who's your fourth line center?" I maybe Dvorak comes back. If I was Grant McCagg, I'd be saying, "Hey, good news, Dvorak's coming back, and he's outscored Kirby Doc." <laughs> he's got seven more games. He has to stay, you know, uh, stay out because he's but, an LPIR. Um, but I, apparently, I, he's I, pretty close. I, I, I'll be, and this is going to sound such like a cop out. I don't care who's centering the fourth line. Yeah, like I genuinely don't yeah. bring up Philip Mayet from the Laval Rocket if you have to. You know what I mean? Like just get your get your top nine going healthy. And um, I really think Monahan on the second line will be the key to that. Or when Monahan played on the top line with Caulfield and Suzuki, the numbers were like very Doc esque. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah, just, I mean they can't afford to do that now that Doc's out. <laughs> no, but here's have, like, the other part: one is center left. Isn't it a little concerning that you keep having to throw centers on your top line to make it work as wingers? No, you know it, I mean? it's not concerning. I mean, Doc wasn't a proven center at that point. Um, True. I mean, Harvey Pinard, I don't think it, like fails to work on that line. I think that the first two games with Anderson have also been okay, not yeah. great, but okay. I, I think there's so many people who are all over Suzuki. I, I do think he looks a little slow, but I'm not seeing what not everybody else is start. seeing in return in terms of like playing terrible. I he, was he forcing passes tonight? Yeah, because everyone was forcing passes tonight. It just was not a good night. But I think mm-hmm. we got to chill a little bit on Suzuki. Um, 
You know what? Mm. Let's end on a positive, Mark, our, our last bit. You know who Hell looked yeah. legitimately good tonight? Brendan Gallagher. He looked like Brendan yeah, Gallagher. Actually, you know what? He, 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 the first game was a bit rough, but the second game, he actually had a couple good scoring chances too. Um, I, I like what he's doing with Pierce. Well, obviously, that's going to be that got switched up, but he looked pretty good there with Pearson and Monaghan on that third line for the longest time. And tonight we saw, I mean, they're unlucky to not score on that play where Gallagher had that big blast and Pearson, like, he was just out to, to remember his good night in Montreal. <laughs> like uh, most uh, college students in the States when they come up here, but uh, they really should have scored a goal there when Pearson had that great rebound chance. And if Gallagher is shooting from the slot hard enough that the goalie can't hold the puck, that's really good news for his overall health and his shot power. And that's something we haven't seen in a while. So yeah, absolutely, man. And Tanner Pearson, can we talk about this guy? Like, man, what a great goddamn story. He went through hell with the Canucks. For those that don't know, multiple surgeries that got infected the Canucks essentially said like hey man you know we're not going to give you your uh, an extension we're going to trade you and then he goes boom two goals in three games I think that is one of the coolest stories right now for for Tanner Pearson and for a team that can't shoot like the Habs he brings an element to the ice that they desperately need which is shooting talent so yeah man I love what I'm seeing for Tanner Pearson but more for the human like I'm just happy that he is doing well right now. That that to me warms my cold dead heart. Yeah, 100%. And both of his goals have been absolute rockets. Oh my right? god, like, just screamers. Yeah. There were questions before the season if he if his wrist was going to hold up to shooting at all. And you they know, were like, saying like at one point Martin St. Louis or Kent Hughes is like, "Oh, it's 80%," which that's crazy. That's eighty like, percent. There's no health bar. There's no health bar on your goddamn hand. What does that mean? Eighty <laughs> percent. What is that? But uh, he's no, lost I, some HP, but it's still functional, right? So no, he's um he's your classic forward that doesn't have that speed anymore, but he's smart, right? And he's got that experience, and I just love what he's. I mean, Tanner Pearson is on base for what 60 goals this year i see he does it i see he does it that's gonna <laughs> but hey if they can get 20 goals from him that's a nice trade deadline uh uh move right there you know you can go set oh, him off huge. to a team yeah i mean that that is the one thing about this season right is i know it's going it's gonna have painful moments we're gonna have more games like this one where oh, yeah. things go off the rails it's just what happens some even good teams have games like this but this is a not great team they're gonna have a lot more games like this but Unlike last season, or at least at this stage, let's knock on wood a little bit that there's no major injuries to guys who are going to get traded. But last season, they didn't have a lot of assets to sell at the deadline. Not quality assets. Pearson and Monaghan alone, they Mm -hmm. have the potential to get some serious assets into the organization to continue the rebuild going forward and build out that system and hopefully package something for some higher caliber players, all that kind of stuff. Okay, uh, get your questions in for the presser segment, but before you do, make sure you like the screams, the scream, like the scream. Uh, that's that's actually Game Over Vancouver and uh, Kaya that brings the scream. But uh, please oh, like the scream. Oh, and I also scream. want to point out my oh, yes, awesome the shirt. The classic Canadiana. This is Polka from Jay Baruchel. He sent us a gift pack for his movie. Um, the, the Not Bluetooth. Um, Blackberry. Blackberry, yeah. And the polka dot door was the best for those that grew up in Ontario. It was TV Ontario. And I will admit this. I I always, I didn't know until like maybe three year, years ago, I clued in that the host would leave and then Pokeroo would show up. And I was always like, he missed, he missed Pokeroo again. And it I only clicked in like three years, years ago. ago. I was yeah. like, oh shit, that's, that guy was Pokeroo. 
So, and I think his name was. I'm, yeah, well, it was different host. There was, a, you know, the classic like Mark and Bill. But uh, all this to say is I'm not a very smart person. Well, I mean, children easily fooled. I no, know, no, no, like it, until, until two years ago. Like, it, <laughs> you know, how well long were you sitting 30s. there thinking about the polka dot door? <laughs> exactly. But uh, no, is uh, always good. And you know what? I'm a big fan of of everything Jay Baruchel does because he same. he loves all the same stuff as I do, like the obscure Canadiana. He's the only guy when I when I post like the Edison Twins theme song from CBC in the eighties. <laughs> he's the only like I would get. So support everything Jay does because he's trying to bring some Canadiana back into our culture. Yeah, he's very very passionate about Canadian history, Canadian media, Canadian art, uh, and everything. also Jay. Jay's just a quality human. Like, Good dude. One of the nicest people I've ever met. I'm so fortunate to know him. I hope I can get him to come on the show again this year. We had a lot of fun with him last year. Uh, but yeah, get your questions in. Uh, make sure you smash that like button on the stream. Subscribe to SDPN. Uh, always share our stuff for Game Over Montreal. We want to continue to grow. Before we get to the questions, I just got to say one other thing positive from this game. Mm-hmm. Michael Pazetta. If there was ever a guy who was trying to show you, I do not want to be waived. I do not want to be traded. This guy, man, in a game that had very little energy, Michael Pozzetta brought it. He absolutely brought it. Took down two guys, laid a massive hit before that second Clean on John Merrill. Clean. And clean, super clean. And, you know, there was a few people that were responding to me uh, after the first fight. Like, what is he doing? I actually love that. This is the kind of game where guys like Pozzetta or Jacka can actually make a huge difference by waking guys up. Mm -hmm. And the whole first period where... Minnesota was dominating, getting all the power plays, et cetera, the bad shorthanded chances, shorthanded goals. I was just like, why is no one going out there and just crushing someone to wake these guys up? Pizzetta did it. It didn't work. It was too, too little, too late. But that's not his fault. He did. And everything he was good in, in preseason too. He was scoring he goals was. and stuff. Like I, I know I always have a soft spot for the like the fringe guys that bring some value. But if you're gonna have a guy on the fourth line that 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 fighting is in his repertoire you also want a few goals and every year you get what seven or eight goals from Pizzetta I, I, I think he's the hardest working guy on the team by far he has to be he has to be the hardest working guy to stay in the NHL so I'm a big fan of uh, Michael Pizzetta and, and you know what he's incredibly nice like he was so nice to me when I worked for that yeah I just I, I really like Michael Pizzetta and as much as the Montreal Canadiens can say that they retired metal we all know that Michael Pizzetta ate his soul <laughs> there can only what be a- one Man, Michael what a terrible, violent. like, and I, I, I can't be too the harsh because it's my former colleagues, but it was wow, what a stinker of an idea. Eh? Like, terrible, I, terrible. I got unfollowed by Jeff Molson when I wrote, like, uh, when I, I made fun of, you know, I was making fun of the jersey. He didn't mind, but I made fun of metal and that that was like a step too far there, you know? So, yeah, it was, it, the funniest part was that he was a hardcore metal guy and his favorite <laughs> band sticks. was Sticks. Yeah sticks not pantera not tool like not actual metal but not even like metallica you know some soft but yeah sticks clearly jeff molson was metal yeah it was that's, probably that's my that's my theory quite possibly yeah absolutely but no <laughs> hey big big fan of, of Pazetta, and he's the kind of guy again in these tough seasons that'll bring a little bit of life to the locker room and a little bit of pride too right you want to see that now it was unfortunate i don't the guy had just been called up he's not a fighter but he saw merrill get hit and also, as an aside, Merrill's been playing really well for the Wild. This is what we thought he'd do with the Habs, but he never did and it. He was terrible. Yeah. But he's been great now for Minnesota. Um, what a nice, clean hit, eh? And the guy that fought Pizzetta just 
knew he had to do it, but man, that backfired. Like he chose poorly. <laughs> he did. He did. I mean, credit to him for sticking up for his teammate anyway, even though it was a clean hit, probably looked like a dirty hit from his perspective. Uh, let's get some questions here before we close it out. Uh, K 22 paper dolls says, uh, first of all, she says that the Canadian's Twitter account just specifically said that Gooley got hurt in the second period. You know, when uh, being very forthright is not actually necessary. And then she asks, uh, should the when? Canadians think about bringing up Joshua Wah, who has four points in two games? No, no, leave him there. Yeah, leave him there. Right? Okay, we're both he... we're both agreed on that. I would yeah. rather bring up Leas Anderson or Armia. Uh, it has to be Armia, let's be honest. Now, it doesn't have to be. Well, I... I mean, he went down and he's playing. I, I don't know. I, yeah, it doesn't have to be, but it kind of has to be from a from a veteran standpoint. And they have the cap space, so there's no excuse. But regardless, we agree. Joshua was cooking. Let him cook. Let him cook in the AHL. And, and I want to avoid the yo-yoing. Like, if there's an opportunity to play him in the top nine, sure, maybe. But I don't want to see Joshua well on, on the fourth line. I'd rather see him get 22 minutes tonight in Laval. And, and yeah. like we talk about him being NHL ready. He has three or two, three, two, fewer two than four games of professional hockey experience, right? So I, I don't know if I want to bring him in this situation. Laval needs to keep playing well. So I leave Joshua Hua there and I bring up Leah Sanderson is probably the guy that I look at because he's the closest to being at the decision point, right? 24 years mm-hmm. old, needs another contract, one-year deal. Let's see what he can do in the NHL. Yeah, I, I'd lean towards Heinemann just for the shot. Uh, try to get the power play going. Heinemann? Give them an, another look, yeah. He's no? injured for the rest of the season. What? When? Sorry to, sorry to crack that what? news, but uh, Emil I saw he had an upper body injury. Right? I thought it was he minor. Went, he went down the same day as Doc was out indefinitely. The best news we got that day was that Rhinebacker is only out for three weeks. So, yeah, exactly. This <laughs> fucking team, man. Like, what the hell is but in the this water? This is what I was saying last year when everyone's like, oh, you got to fire the medical squad. This It had so little to do with the medical squad. It was yeah. shit luck, players lying, and then a little bit of like, hey, letting them back on the ice too early. But it's always the players saying, I'm good, I'm good, when really they're hurting. So, yeah. Yeah, but even that, like this year, nobody's come back from it. <laughs> right, there's literally nothing that could be done about any of these injuries. No, no, no. And Doc, there with everything is injury prone. I think it's honestly, I think it's dumb to say that because what are you saying here that he's prone to getting slammed into the bench and then getting you know breaking the laws of physics with his knee as he's sitting on the bench after a hit? Like, is that is that what people are saying that it was bound to happen? I, I get that he's been injured before, but to be injury prone, it would have to be a recurring issue, right? Uh, Mateo asks if we are concerned about the penalties. Oh. I think that's a long enough trend that yes. Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah. Uh, Frederick Ulet says... Because it goes says, back to last year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's not a, a small sample size thing. Uh, Frederick Ulet says, that we're out of solutions for the power play, but what about the PK? How to make it better? Whew, man, I, I feel like the PK, a lot of it comes down to attention to detail. Like sticks in lanes... I think some of the defensemen they have, like David Savard, he's had his great career, uh, a very good third-pairing defenseman for a long time. He's just played way too much for the player that he is, the age that he is. And, man, he's just not winning battles. He's not winning battles. So Absolutely. Uh, real quick, yeah, when I said Heinemann's out, for, he's out indefinitely. They didn't okay, actually indefinitely. say the rest of the year, but it's not a good sign actually what happened believe it or not he was going behind the net and he was with a player and the referee was in the wrong spot and he tried to jump over 
Heineman, but he fly, he gave him a flying knee to the head. Yeah, that's Montreal's luck right there. Is it's that the medical got, staff, Mark? It's he got yeah, exactly. Staff. He got you know the classic injury prone getting a flying knee from a referee in your face in the AHL, and it was like a clean flying knee there. You know the type of thing that uh, yeah that you'd see in Muay Thai. So it was um, such bullshit luck, you know, and such terrible luck. But but yeah. So, yeah, and as Cheeto says, the ACL tear can happen anytime, anywhere. That's absolutely true, you know. And, and the good news, though, for knees is that they tend, they take a long time to heal, but they tend to heal well. Whereas shoulders, you know, there's such a crazy range of motion. Um, it's a little more difficult to, to, to get the repair going in the shoulder. But the knees should, unless we're talking about a replacement, which I don't think we are. But uh, really, it's just bed rest, right? It's just allowing that muscle yeah. to heal again. So Well, and I think the other thing is with Doc, like he's a good skater. Uh, I don't think he's a speedster per se. So it's not like no. we're looking at his career being significantly derailed, although missing a year sucks. But he's it such does. a cerebral pl- player that I don't think anybody should be worried about him losing a step well how many okay and this is gonna sound such like a shitty thing to say but it'll also save on the contract extension down the road right like i you know so i i don't know i'm looking for some positives here there aren't a ton um matthew barrett asks how many starts for premium well this is something that i mentioned at the end of the game let's get him in there like i think and i'm not trying to be harsh but both alan and montabu have looked shaky as hell since the preseason and i I think montabu has been fine in the first two games i think he's been bad just oh, like letting so. in these crazy, like, the, okay, the one where it almost 4-0, he wasn't even looking at the pass. He was looking this way and the puck hit him. And then he was like, oh shit. And he's swimming in his own zone. Math is I mean, that's Montembeau though. Hmm? <laughs> that's Montembeau. He looks like that whether he's playing well or bad. You know? fair, enough, fair enough. And I'm not, I'm not ready to, 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 well, actually I am ready to trade him, but I said that a long time ago at $1 million, he's never going to be worth more, but I'd like to see Caden Primo get a start where, not everyone in the lineup has already been on Expedia right before the game, booking their summer vacation, you know, not, not playing behind a, a blue line that's like three-quarter Laval and one-quarter Trois-Rivières. Give him a start with some decent players just to see what he can do, man. Might as well, because if not, like, what, you're afraid of putting him on waivers because he'll get claimed, but he's not good enough to play? Eh, it's got to be, you know, those things can't be mutually exclusive. Yeah, so, I, I don't think it's that he's not good enough to play, because I think Primo is actually the best goalie in preseason uh, I mean, obviously, it's yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, he was, but he, oh, he was far. fine. I think it is strictly about how few games there were to start the season. It's going to be two yeah, and now we have to wait till games. Saturday, so you don't yeah. want your two goalies to yeah, as you mentioned, yeah, you don't want to sit Jake like Allen early, like early I November. Expect, yeah, like I expect Allen to play the next game, and then maybe Montembeau Primo. That's my guess because they've got five games in eight days coming up. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I agree. They need to get Primo in there. Uh, it's just I think the beginning of the season schedule wise and injury wise has been very unkind to the Montreal Canadiens organization. David Reinbacher is also out, uh, I believe, weeks, indefinitely yeah. with one the, to, no one to three weeks. At least that was the good news. OK, so that's not so bad. Now, he's had issues with tough. his knee before and he's got a, a uh, um He's got a bit of a cartilage issue that's been long standing there. So hopefully that doesn't develop into something long term, but it, it, it was never considered to be a serious injury. So one to three weeks, he should be back in action. And I'll say this I watched um, Cloten play Fribourg, Gotteron to play uh, Zurich because they were playing against um, Vincent Rohrer, the Habs prospect, without Reinbacker in the lineup. They are they're they they are suck. They are just they are sucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it's like the Canadians losing Doc is what you're saying? 
yeah yeah essentially they are suck they are now the suck without him and uh so he th- this is what i was worried about when he was going up there i'm like man is it good level of competition and it is it turns out the swiss league is much better than i thought it was but his teammates are they are the suck right now this year so they're gonna be bad without him but hey when he's in the lineup that's why they're trusting this 18 year old with 25 minutes a night it's because he's uh much better than most of his teammates Yes, this is true. All right, folks, thanks so much for tuning in for tonight's game, even though it was a a very tough watch. Uh, Thanks, Mark, for hosting with me. Make sure, everybody, before you leave, like the stream, smash that subscribe button on SDPN. Make sure you share the replay, retweet our stuff, and all that stuff. It really does help. It really does. Give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Music. It really, really helps the show, and we want to grow, get more sponsors so that we can bring you more cooler and better stuff. Uh, For example, I'm going to be in Edmonton uh, next weekend. Not this coming weekend, but the weekend after for the Heritage Classic, where we're going to have a live event for Game Over Calgary and Game Over Edmonton, a big cool. combination. It's going to be super fun. We want to do the same thing with Montreal this year at some point. Uh, yeah, so help us out. We'll support see you Canadian, again. Canadian exactly. Stuff. Support Always. Canadians, support uh, your local businesses. Um, and we'll see you again on Saturday where it will be a bit of a crossover episode with uh, Scott Matla and Laura Saba of Locked On Canadians. So and thanks everyone for showing you. We, we got the best group of people, eh? Like, we do. The most mad. amazing. Too good. You're too good to us. So thank you very much to everyone. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun season. We're going to make sure there's not too many games like this, though. Nothing we can do, but I can promise you it's not going to happen again. <laughs> Never going to happen again. No more major injuries. That's a Mark Dumont guarantee. I mean, See? I did hurt my back there yesterday, but yeah, other than that, we're good to go. Yeah. Mark Dumont will absorb all of the injuries. <laughs> that was actually Suzuki's injury that Mark took upon himself. <laughs> I'll just sacrifice the dust. Spine. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everyone. See you later.